Hi there, my name is Dr. Shivana Naidu. I am a board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Over the course of my career, seeing and treating thousands of young patients and their families, time and time again, I am reminded of how confusing it is to navigate the system of mental health care. Who are mental health care providers? How is therapy going to help my child? Should I tell the school about my child's mental health issues? What is the real diagnosis? Is medication going to change my child's personality? These are all really important questions. When parents and patients ask me these questions, there are a million thoughts I want to share. But usually, I only have two minutes left in the visit. Since I am back-to-back with patients, I don't always have the time to answer them the way that they deserve and the way that I really want to. So, this is why I started this podcast, to give you the information you need to help you think through the tough questions you are already asking, so that you can help your child in the best way possible. So join me, let's think it through, with Dr. Naidu, child psychiatrist. Hi team, for this episode, episode 14, my response to Rob Elementary School shooting, let's fix this, I have decided to talk about something that should not be unfixable, but it has been. 20 years ago, there was Columbine, 10 years ago, there was Sandy Hook, and now almost seven days ago, there was the Rob Elementary School. When Columbine happened, I was a teenager, I was 17, and discussing with my friends who were seniors all about this tragedy and feeling some distance because then I was growing up in New York City. I felt like that just couldn't happen here. When Sandy Hook happened, I was an adult residency. I had already matched to pursue a child psychiatry fellowship And I felt like I was going to be in a position to help, to heal, and to advance our practice to really prevent these tragedies. I felt like I was going to be a soldier, you know, in the battle against this. And even though it was happening, I was going to fight it. And now, when Rob Elementary School happened, here in Arizona, and that happening in Texas, I had actually just dropped my children off to school, two separate schools, to start their day. My perspective and experience has really grown and changed so much in the past few decades. And yet, both our political and ground-level response to these situations have remained kind of the same. Confusion, response lag, senseless loss, frightened children, dead children, and questions unanswered. But for every question asked, I have found the answer is both yes and no. No and yes. Nothing is clear. Everything is stirred up and murky. And it's just my own confidence in treating patients and protecting my children that is sinking to the bottom. So I reflect on this tragedy both from the perspective of a child psychiatrist and the perspective of a parent. Here it goes. As a child psychiatrist in training, I remember 
going through one of several in-person exams, as we had to be experts in interviewing kids and teens with mental health concerns. And I did this interview of a teen who was admitted to inpatient psychiatry while I was being supervised by an attending or an expert psychiatrist. I went through the entire interview, asked all of my questions up and down about anxiety, depression, and anger, right and left about suicidal thinking. And as time ran short, I realized I had totally forgot to ask about homicidal ideations or thoughts to hurt or kill other people. I spent the last five minutes asking her about her homicidal thoughts, and she just erupted talking about thoughts to hurt her parents, her mother in particular, and how she had thought of hurting them, not quite killing them, and the reasons why she had not yet acted on them. She had no access to a gun, but she had a plan. This was a person who was admitted to inpatient, as I said before, and I had almost forgot to ask that question. When I completed the interview, my attending gave a big sigh and said in her thick Haitian accent, Dr. Naidu, you cannot forget HI, or the acronym for homicidal thoughts. You cannot, you cannot. Homicidal thoughts are hot, hot, hot. And I was so embarrassed to almost forget that. As a psychiatrist, I spend so much time on my suicide assessments, clarifying and quantifying every type and nuance of suicidal thought. But Rob Elementary, as well as my interview, was another example that we as psychiatrists must always, always ask about homicidal ideations. It happens so infrequently in our patient populations that sometimes we forget, but we must never forget. And still, it is so, so rare to have homicidal ideations. Yet in the media, it's portrayed like it's bread and butter. You know, kids killing kids and kids having mental illness. No, they often go together, but not always. And I think this just adds to the stigma we have against those who are mentally ill and against seeking mental health help. Because if we're fearful that being labeled as mentally ill will equate us with being killers or if we believe that just because someone struggles with mental illness, they will become a killer, this really makes it hard to receive that label and receive that treatment. And I think that's an aspect as to why some patients and some parents remain silent. I will admit that silence is a real struggle for me. Silence when it comes to those difficult teens is really hard for me to handle. I struggle with those teens who won't talk, who don't talk, the brooding ones, the resentful ones, the ones who are dragged in by their parents and have no interest at all in talking to me, the ones who present with mainly anger and aggression, sometimes to people, sometimes to property, because if I can't get them to talk, I don't know what's on their mind. Sometimes even when I get them to talk, I'm still not sure if they're telling me the truth, and it's that silence for me that is far more worrisome. So I really struggle to let those kids out of my door unless I'm really much clearer and trust that what they're saying and what they're giving to me is what really is real and true because I really want to understand what's driving those emotions and those thoughts and what's resulting in these kids behaving the way that they do. And still I can't predict the future, right? In our 
field, the past is what really predicts the future. If you had prior suicidal thoughts, prior homicidal thoughts or aggression, that is likely to predict the future. But it doesn't always, you know, just because you have thoughts doesn't mean you're going to have actions. And that's another challenging part of of my field because we work with kids who are young and developing and by nature, their brains are not yet developed, right? They are impulsive. They do things without thinking. But it seems like these types of young adults, whether or not they've had mental health issues, are pretty deliberate in what they do, are pretty planned in what they do, but just haven't told anyone. Again, going back to that silence. And yet we cannot force treatment. We cannot force patients or parents to get their kids treatment. And in fact, I do not encourage parents to force their kids to get treatment because if they don't want it, it's just going to be an uphill battle, a painful uphill battle the entire time. I have had several patients throughout my career that I see that don't want any treatment, nothing at all. And I tell those parents, I cannot prescribe medication for your teen. I cannot give them medications, which also have risks, if they are not willing to work with me and come back to me and talk to me and be open about it. So I leave my door open for these kids, for these teens, and I say, come back. Come back to me when you are ready. I will be here, but you need to be ready. And sometimes parents are really upset by this, but as I said, we cannot force anyone to take a pill. Doesn't matter how old they are. They have to swallow it. And we can't force anyone to implement a coping strategy. They have to practice it in their mind before it comes out of their mouth. It is in the wanting. It is the wanting of that person to change. That becomes their motivation to change. And then their willingness to do the thing that may be uncomfortable, but will result in the change. And that is a really tall order for a teenager especially one who is depressed or anxious or angry. But one of my attendings used to say, you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink. But if you follow the horse long enough, it will get thirsty. And I have come to believe that. That is truism. It is the parent's job to keep following the horse, to keep following that teen. And it is my job as a psychiatrist, to have that fresh, cool, clean water ready and waiting for them when they are good and ready to drink. And yes, it is my job to persist in helping this teen to accept the mental health treatment, but it is also the parent's job to encourage their kid to keep coming back. In retrospective studies, they have said that undertreated mental illness is the main factor in most of these perpetrators of gun violence. Now, looking at the current perpetrator, Salvador Ramos, he was a high school dropout. He withdrew from friends for years. All across the internet, it says he should have gotten mental health treatment. But as I said earlier, would that have made a difference if he wasn't ready? Would he have received that treatment if his parents forced him in there and he was unwilling to take the med or to use the therapy? Again, it is a yes or no. You know, maybe he would have, but maybe he wouldn't. Now we know more than ever that mental health care treatment is so valuable 
and so hard to find, right? That's the whole point of this podcast, to help you find the best care you can. And even if this teen was ready and willing, we need to make sure that treatment is available for that teen and that family to receive. But to me, it is not really accurate to say this young man or any of the people that um, had these forms of gun violence, if any of them had received mental health care, that that definitely would have reduced this risk. Given all that I know about the nuances of mental health care, finding a good doctor, a good therapist, challenges with medications, whether they're effective versus have side effects, we really can't know for sure that that would be true. So as a child psychiatrist and now also as a parent, I responded to Rob Elementary with a different level of anxiety and stress and disbelief than I ever had before. Because I too dropped my kids off to school that morning, having faith in the school and in the universe that they would return back to me unscathed. Because I also, on that same day, talked to teens who were forced to seek my help, but really not interested at all. And I talked to their parents who wanted a medication to change their child's behavior, but I was not ready to give it to them. Because that same day, I heard on the news that untreated mental illness, more so than gun possession, is the predisposing factor for all of these senseless tragedies. Because none of it is true. It is not true that untreated mental illness is the main cause of these tragedies. Most mentally ill people do not have homicidal thoughts, as I said before. It is not true that a medication and even therapy together always makes enough change to help cure mental illness. And it is not true that I can trust that my children will come home after I drop them to school. Ooh, that was a hard one to say, but it's, it's true. But what is true, right? What is true is that I can do something about this. What is true is that we don't know a lot. And we don't know when we will die, ourselves or our kids. And we don't know how we're going to die, whether through natural or unnatural causes. What is true is that I can do things to help my children feel loved every day to combat their bad feelings. What is true is that I can do things to manage my own fears and my own anxiety, which may not be my kids. What is true is that there are small things I can do every day to help fix the unfixable. What is true is that I can work towards finding a peace even in these fearful and unsettling times. So as a psychiatrist, what do I do? I make sure that every patient that comes into my office, I keep my ears, eyes, heart, and door open. I make sure that I always ask them about homicidal thoughts, and I include that in my risk assessment. I make sure that I trust my psych sense, my psychiatrist sense that I've honed for the past 20 years, that if something is off, I continue to investigate and bring it to the attention of the parent and anyone else involved. I keep that door open, even if that patient is not yet open. And as a parent, what do I do? I protect in whatever way I can. I remind my children that there are good guys and there are bad guys, not crazy guys. 
good and bad. And that when you come in contact with bad guys, you try your best not to be in contact. You hide. You play dead. You don't make a sound. And I get involved. Both of my boys will be attending the same school, and I will attend the PTA meetings, and I will raise active concerns. I donate to Moms Demand Action, a nonprofit which is trying to gather parents to change the laws around guns. If you are listening to this now and you donate before 531-22, the former New York City mayor, Mike Bloomberg, will triple your donation. So donate if you can. And as a parent, I will manage my own anxiety. I do not watch the news on replay. I can't have CNN on all the time, like my mom. I need to look at it on my own terms so I can manage my anxiety. I remind myself that most of the world is good and that most of the world wants good for others. I am grateful that it's summer vacation (laughs) and they don't have to go to school just yet. And I bond with other parents who are feeling the same feels, having the same fears, and I know that I'm not alone. We are not alone, though these tragedies do make us feel that way. And as a society, what do we do? We think it through, and then we act, right? We have to act. All of our voices together have to push people to act, and we ourselves can act. We consider whether or not different gun regulations would change the situation. We consider whether or not different security measures are needed in our schools. We consider how we can love and invest more in our teenage boys. We consider how do we improve access to good mental health care when our system is so broken, regardless of your financial status or insurance status, how can we improve the access to good mental health care? And we then work in whatever capacity it is within our reach. And for me, I'm in a privileged position. I can work in all of those arenas if I want to. And that is what I'm going to try to do. So what will you do after listening to this podcast? What can you do to add to society's push forward and to make the changes needed to keep our children safe? I urge you to think of one small thing that you can do and do it now in the next five minutes. Email a senator or a congressman. Donate to Moms Demand Action. Call your school and ask them about their safety measures. Review the references I've posted online and prepare on how to talk to your children after a tragedy. Hug your children and tell them that you love them, even if you did already for today. Because I think love is the only way to fix this. And perhaps that, more than any medication or therapy, is really what all these young kids needed. These young adults, these perpetrators, needed more when they were kids and teens. They needed more of that love. Someone to love them and not fear them. Someone to help them persist in receiving treatment. Someone to help them in making tough decisions like preventing them from having access to guns. Someone in helping them to have more loving connections with the world and perhaps even with children. We must fix the unfixable because we have been forced to think about the unthinkable. It is the reality we live in and our children live in and we are the only ones who can fix it. So let's fix this. 
So in this episode, my response to the Rob Elementary shootering, let's fix this, I have offered my thoughts, my conflicts and challenges as a psychiatrist and as a parent in these challenging times. I hope I've given you some food for thought and some action items that you can be a part of. Thank you again. Bye. Hi again, this is Dr. Naidu. Thank you for joining me in this episode of Thinking It Through with Dr. Naidu. Please remember that the opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and not representative of my job or any organization that I belong to. Please remember that the info provided in this podcast is not medical treatment or a substitute for medical treatment. Please always bring up these points with your own doctor and think it through with them too. If you or your family member are struggling with suicidal thoughts, please don't wait, please don't hesitate. Call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK or text the Crisis Text Line at 741-741 or call 911 and bring yourself or your child to the nearest emergency room. If there's a topic that you'd like me to address or discuss in this podcast, or if you have any feedback for me to make it better, please do email me at drshavananaidu at gmail.com. That is dr.shivannisandnancya dot nancyaid as in dog oo at gmail.com. I will think with you soon. 